0: Last Sunday, we began a new nine-part series of lessons based upon the fruit of the Spirit here in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Follow along in your Bible as I read these two key verses once again. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self control. Against such things there is no law. Don't miss that last phrase. Against such things there is no law. Of course not. I mean, these Christian virtues are lawful in any country and are fully accepted by any culture or society. Simply put, these nine inner qualities of a true spirit filled Christ follower are desirable for any person in any place, at any time, in any situation. Now, why are we spending the next two plus months focusing on these nine Christian virtues? Let me see if I can summarize the foundation of this series with a couple of key observations. First of all, believing does not equal behaving. Think about that for a minute. Believing does not equal behaving. Sadly, the George Barner Research Group observes that there's very little difference between the behavior of Christians and non Christians. Is that sad? Somehow our faith doesn't translate into action. Believing does not equal behaving, but I'd go a step further than that. I would say behaving does not equal being. Behaving does not equal being. We can do things for a variety of different reasons, none of which have to do with who we are as a person. Now, you might have to chew on those two a little bit. That's okay. They'll sink in. But the bottom line is, Then, if we focus on being, on who we are, then the believing and the behaving, our faith and our actions, will follow. That's why we're zeroing in on these nine inner qualities of a Spirit-filled Christian in this series. They have to do with our being, who we are as a person in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit. Last Sunday, we focused on the first virtue, which is love. Today, we want to focus on the second virtue, which is joy. Galatians 5, verse 22 tells us, The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And as we consider this fruit of Joy. Let's begin with the definition of joy. What exactly is this inner quality of joy that we're talking about today? How can we define it? Well, of course, one of the first places you look is the dictionary where it says a strong feeling of happiness arising from the expectation of some good or from its realization, a state of contentment or satisfaction, anything that causes delight or gladness. And some synonyms, as you see there, include gladness, delight, pleasure, cheerfulness, or happiness. A study of the various Hebrew and Greek words for joy in the Bible reveals that the expression of joy is often seen as shining, (laughs) or leaping, or with shouting. One word, in fact, in its roots even carries the idea of running around in circles. (laughs) Now, some of you do that run around in circles. And there's not a whole lot of joy in it. (laughs) We're talking about joy that just makes you get up and run around in circles. But I especially want to call your attention that the word for joy most often used in the New Testament, kara, comes from the same root as the word for grace. Karees. Isn't that interesting? Don't miss that connection because true joy is related to grace. The fruit of joy that we are talking about this morning is rooted in the experience of God's grace. We cannot, we must not, separate the two. It is only when we personally experience the grace of God in our lives that we are filled with the joy of the Lord. By the way, I think there's a huge difference between joy and happiness. Number one, happiness is external where joy is internal happiness is external joy is internal i think of solomon the richest and the wisest man to ever live ecclesiastes 2 and verse 1 he said i decided to enjoy myself and find out what happiness is don't we wish we could all do that well he had the resources to be able to do so and he tried it all I mean he tried it all in his own words in Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 10 everything I wanted I took I never said no to myself I gave in to every impulse. Held back nothing. I mean, you name it, he tried it. Money, houses, lands, more things than anyone here could possibly ever imagine. Wine, women, song, more pleasures than you and I will ever experience in our lifetime. Power, fame, and success. And after his pursuit of happiness was completed, here's what he wrote in Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 11, "...but I looked at everything. It was all so meaningless." It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Now that's not the words of a pessimist, folks. That's the words of a realist who tried it all and may have found glimpses of happiness but not true joy. Because you see, happiness is external. Joy is internal. Number two, happiness is accidental. Joy is intentional. Happiness is accidental. Joy is intentional. The very word happiness, by the way, comes from the root word hap, which means luck. <laughs> I mean, happiness is a chance, you see, but joy is a choice. And number three, happiness is temporal. Joy is eternal. Eternal. Because happiness is tied to earthly world and worldly circumstances, it will not last. But joy is tied, you see, to our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that will last forever. Many times the Bible speaks of everlasting joy. So there's a big difference, I think, between happiness and joy, biblically speaking. Whereas happiness is external, joy is internal. Whereas happiness is accidental, joy is intentional. Whereas happiness is temporal, joy is eternal. Now, with that definition of joy in mind then, let's move on to the derivation of joy. So where does this inner quality of joy we're talking about, where does it come from? Well, as Galatians 5 and verse 22 says, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Romans 14 verse 17 speaks of joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 6 mentions the joy given by the Holy Spirit. and So obviously, this joy that we're talking about this morning is the fruit or is the byproduct, if you will, of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives as believers. As I said earlier, it's only when we experience the grace of God, Caris, that we will be filled with the joy of the Lord, kara. Why? Because it's only when we've been saved by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. In other words, it's impossible to have the fruit of joy apart from the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it's impossible to have the Holy Spirit in our lives apart from having a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Now having said that, what exactly is it that the Holy Spirit gives us that allows us to experience this internal, intentional, eternal joy? Write it down in your notes. The secret of joy is perspective. The secret of joy is perspective. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us changes our perspective, how we view our past, our present, and our future. Let me expand on that just a bit. Joy is derived, number one, from releasing our past to God. Releasing our past to God. When we become a Christian, we can let go of of our past with all of its sins and its hurts and its disappointments and its heartaches. Read Romans 5 and verse 11 out loud with me. Would you read this with me out loud? Now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins making us friends of God. You see... Because of that relationship, we can now release the past. We don't have to carry all that baggage with us any longer. We can let it go. Second, joy is derived from relishing the present from God. Relishing the present from God. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 118 and verse 24, Tomorrow is the day the Lord has made. Is that what it says? No, it says, Someday, sometime, who knows when, is the day the Lord has made. Is that what it says? No, what's it say? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, folks. Today is the day. We can rejoice and be glad each and every day of our lives. Jesus put it this way in John so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete, perfect, finished, mature. And your hearts will be filled with gladness, the kind of gladness that no one can take away from you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I mean, it's about relishing the present. We have to learn that we can do that. We have that choice. God has given us that ability to do so. And finally, number three, I think joy is derived from relaxing about the future with God. Relaxing about the future. Jesus asked a penetrating question, Matthew 6 and verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to His life? Anyone? (laughs) No. No. Worry never adds to life. In fact, it may very much subtract from it. (laughs) And so often we allow worry about tomorrow to rob us of joy for today. But as Christians, we can relax about the future. Why? Because although we don't know what the future holds, we know who holds the future. And we're in good hands. (laughs) We're in good hands. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God assures us of this. In fact, let's read this promise out loud together. Would you read it with me? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Again, isn't that a wonderful promise? We can relax about the future because it's in God's hands. And so the secret of joy, I think, is perspective. And it's the Holy Spirit who changes our whole perspective, how we view the past, the present, and the future. Joy is derived from releasing the past to God, relishing the present from God, and relaxing about the future with God. All of which brings us to the delineation of joy. Just as there was a passage of Scripture in our first lesson that expanded on love, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, so there is a passage of Scripture today that expands on joy. We call it the Beatitudes. So take your Bible, would you, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. So on page 1505 if you're using the Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. We call them the Beatitudes from the Latin Beatitudo, which refers to the pronouncement of a blessing upon someone, blessed are or i think more literally the beginning of each beatitude could better be translated how joyful or how full of joy are and then he gives us a quality so with that in mind follow along in your bible as i read matthew chapter 5 we pick up jesus words with verse 3 blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, we obviously don't have time to dig into these Beatitudes this morning. I mean, truly, each of these eight descriptions of joy is a sermon in and of itself. However, I believe that this list delineates true joy better than any other single passage of Scripture. So let me just touch very briefly on each one of these characteristics of joy and then I'm going to leave you to do some homework. (laughs) I'm giving you homework this week so that you can do a little self-evaluation of how you're doing in relationship to these Beatitudes and in relationship to your joy. So let's look at these real quickly together. Number one is the joy of emptiness. The joy of emptiness. Matthew 5 verse 3 begins, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The good news translates it, Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. The New Living Translation puts it this way, Those who know there is nothing good in themselves are full of joy. And simply put, true joy is found when we recognize our own emptiness, our spiritual bankruptcy, that we bring absolutely nothing, zero, into our relationship with God that is of value. It's all about what God has done for us. And if we don't realize that, if we're trying to bring our stuff into the relationship, we're going to miss out on the joy because it's all about the joy of emptiness. God cannot fill us if we're full of ourselves. Number two is the joy of brokenness. The joy of brokenness. Matthew 5, verse 4, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn. You look at that at first glance and it seems like a contradiction. How can those who are mourning be joyful? (laughs) But the key, you see, is in understanding what it is that we are to mourn and that, I believe, is our sin. Read Roman or or James chapter four verses eight and nine out loud with me. James four verses eight and nine. Let's read it together. Wash your hands, you sinners. Let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. Let there be sorrow and sincere grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. Get James point there? See, the bottom line is that true joy is found in our brokenness, in our deep godly sorrow for our own personal sin. We must remain in a state of repentance all the time in our relationship with God, broken because of our sinfulness. Number three is the joy of gentleness. The joy of gentleness. Matthew 5, verse 5 begins, Blessed are the meek. Now, unfortunately, this word meek is often equated with a lack of courage, timidity, being a wimp, being spineless, having no guts. In our world today, it seems that meekness equals weakness. But actually, that's not true in the Bible. The Bible word in its roots was used to describe a wild horse that had been broken and harnessed, tamed and bridled. It still possessed all of the power and all of the strength, but it was now under control. Isn't that a great word picture? That's why I love the way that William Barclay translates this verse. Oh, the bliss of those whose strength is in their gentleness. I love that. True joy, you see, is found in our gentleness when our strength is harnessed, when our wildness is tamed, when our power is bridled. Gentleness, you notice here, is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. And we'll be talking about this quality in an upcoming lesson. So we'll learn a little more about that. The joy of gentleness. Number four is the joy of earnestness. The joy of earnestness. Matthew 5, verse 6 we read, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The good news translates it, Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. The message paraphrases that You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. In other words, true joy is found in our earnestness for God. The relentless pursuit of God and the things of the Lord where we are on running after Him with everything we have, with passion, with enthusiasm, giving it our all because we're so hungry, we're so thirsty for more of Him. That will make you happy. The joy of earnestness. Number five is the joy of mercifulness. The joy of mercifulness. Look at Matthew 5 and verse 7. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. The Bible uses a variety of different words synonymously. Merciful, compassionate, tender-hearted, sympathetic, showing pity. The message paraphrases this verse. You're blessed when you care. Being careful. I like that. Careful. In a nutshell, true joy is found when we're merciful to others, when we actively care for the needs and the concerns of other people, when we get our eyes off of our own situation and onto others and begin to put their needs and their interests before our own, and where we are merciful and compassionate toward them. Number six is the joy of single heartedness. The joy of single heartedness. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Interesting word, this word pure. It literally means undivided or undistracted or maybe even better yet, unpolluted. It's what David prayed for in Psalm 86 and verse 11. God, give me an undivided heart. Simply put, true joy is found when we are single-hearted. When we're focused on that one thing that is the most important in life above and beyond all else, and that is our personal relationship with God. When we're careful not to allow anything to divide our devotion or to distract our attention from God. It's all about pursuing Him. Being single-hearted in that devotion. Number seven is the joy... Of activeness. I didn't know really what to call this. I just chose this word because I couldn't find a better one, to be honest. Matthew 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice it says peacemakers, not peace lovers. <laughs> Big difference. The Living Bible paraphrases it, happy are those who strive. Literally, the word there is war. Those who war for peace. Isn't that interesting? who strive for peace. William Barclay puts it this way, oh, the bliss of those who make men friends with each other. Let's read Romans 14 and verse 19 out loud together. Would you read this one with me? Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. Every effort. To do what leads to peace. Here's the principle. True joy is found when we make every effort to be a peacemaker, to get actively involved in reconciling broken relationships, to act as a mediator between two opposing parties to restore harmony. I want you to know that is messy. (laughs) Usually we avoid those things. I don't want to get involved, you know. But, but Jesus is saying, no, if you want to be happy, you're going to jump right in the middle of the fray. You're going to get involved. You are going to be active in trying to pursue peace. And that's going to get you hurt. And that's going to get messy. The joy of activeness. And then number eight is the joy of faithfulness. Again, Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says. In other words, true joy is found when we are faithful, when we persevere without compromise in the face of opposition, when we don't give up and we don't give in to the peer pressure and ridicule of others. And by the way, you notice that faithfulness too is another one of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we'll be talking a little more about that in an upcoming lesson in this series. The Joy of Faithfulness. Now, wow, we just went through the eight Beatitudes real quickly. <laughs> but, but, but here's a checklist for you. Here's some homework for you. In fact, I have a separate sheet in your bulletin this morning. If you haven't looked at it, would you take it out right now? This is your homework assignment. I told you I was going to give you homework. I'm a teacher today. <laughs> so you've got some homework to do. What I've done is I've asked you first to reread Matthew 5, verses 3-12 through and several different translations and paraphrases. If you have access to the Internet, go to BibleGateway.com, type in Matthew 5, verses 3-12. through 12. You'll be able to look at those verses in over 50 different English translations. Look at it. Kind of get your arms around it the best you can. What is it that Jesus is trying to say in these Beatitudes, these various qualities that He's talking about? And then I said, number two, work through the continuum as below, evaluating yourself by the eight different qualities of true joy Jesus taught in the Beatitudes. Circle the number you feel best represents where you are at this moment on each continuum. So like, just take the first one. The joy of emptiness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Spiritually bankrupt. Do you tend to lean more towards self-righteousness? or toward emptiness. Rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. Go on with the joy of brokenness and do the same thing. And on down through the list. You can do that all on your own. We don't have the time for that this morning. But ask God to help you to grow and progress in those areas where you find yourself to be the weakest. So that's a homework assignment. It's a way to take what we're learning together about joy into your week ahead. And hopefully, this will be helpful to you and a good exercise for you to follow. The fruit of the Spirit. This morning we have focused on the second virtue of the Christian life, the second quality of the inner character of a genuine, authentic Christ follower, and that's joy. Galatians 5, verse 22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy. And as we've discussed the definition, the derivation, the delineation of joy in today's lesson, let me ask you this question as we conclude. Are you walking in the Spirit, keeping step with the Spirit in living a joy-filled life today? Is it obvious that you are Spirit-filled because of the joy that overflows from your daily walk with Christ? Does it just kind of ooze out of you this joy? It ought to. Some of us look like we've been baptized in pickle juice, you know? If anybody ought to know the joy, it's going to be us who know the Lord. Amen? Because the fruit of the Spirit is working in us. So, so let's close by reading Paul's prayer in Romans 15 and verse 13 out loud together. This is my prayer for Springville Church of the Nazarene. This is my prayer for you and for me this morning. Let's read it together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for us. Let's just overflow with joy. Let's just let's just ooze joy out everywhere we go. You know, people will wonder, "What's that? How did you get that? Where'd that come from?" That's the joy of the Lord. It's in my heart.